Welcome back to For the Record, Black Officer Perspectives. I'm the host, G. Michael, and thanks for joining me again today. It's going to be a solo episode, no interviews done. It's just going to be me giving my perspective on what's going on at my department and in my station in regard to the U.S. Capitol attack. I'm going to talk about how it affects black officers and just how it affects policing in general. Thanks again. Stay tuned. Join me right after this. Welcome back to For the Record Black Office Perspectives. Hi, I'm the host, G. Michael. I'm going to get right into talking about this U.S. Capitol attack. And the way I want to cover it with this podcast is not to rehash a lot of the details that are coming out in news facts will continue to come out i'll let other folks talk about that so i will let those that sit behind a news desk or those that are professional media persons whether it's on the internet or on some other form of media that talk about it but coming from the field if you will some of the thoughts some of the feelings i want to represent that i didn't have time to wait on a guest set a guest up and I have some things I want to talk about from my own experiences throughout my career I knew what time it was and I know what time it is I know the history of this country I understand why my people are in the state that they are in that we are in for the most part and I wanted to answer the call 20 years ago to do my part to help my people and everyone in the community that I serve, live a better life. I took the oath, and I do it in the nation that I felt was the greatest nation in the world. I am also a proud veteran of the armed forces, a combat veteran. I've worn the uniform of the United States Army with that American flag on it proudly around the world. So between wearing that uniform and the current uniform I wear, I've Worn them both proudly, but I've always understood that I represented something bigger than my own personal beliefs or what I learned in my own household. I had to be neutral or independent, if you will. I often say that the two main political parties are like the new religions. People oftentimes blindly follow what the leader of their party says or does without using logic, or even if it doesn't really fit their own personal life. As a law enforcement official over the years, it's been easier for me just to say I'm an independent. And I truly don't fit into any one of the factions, left or right. Everyone that knows me knows in the same conversation, I may have some views that go to the left and the right. And I'm not going to suppress those views just to fit neatly on one side but even if I did I'm professional enough when I put the uniform on I understand I'm representing something bigger than my personal beliefs but all law enforcement officials know out there in the world that all of us have some policy or regulation that states something in the effect we must be above reproach or beyond reproach even in our personal lives, in uniform and out of the uniform. My point is, 
I really feel like there's a dangerous time in our near future. Because even those that we call on in the time of an emergency have an obvious divide. There's one thing I always told my friends and family when they asked, how can you do that job when you know so many people you work with don't really like you because of the color of your skin? Or how can you do that job when so many people you know that work with you don't like you because of where you're from? And I answer every time, I could care less what they think of me personally as long as when I key up on the radio and say I need help, they run to my rescue the same way I would run to their rescue. When an officer needs assistance, I don't think twice about what their political beliefs are. And that's the only way I could do this job. As black officers, I know we've had to suppress some beliefs just really to work anywhere in government or anywhere in a Fortune 500 company or really to hold a job. Anyone with some sense knows until you have your name on the door outside or the sign outside. My point is, if you work for someone else, you have to make some sacrifices to keep that job. But to me, it's not just a job. This career is about me being able to serve in the community that I love. And I would be a fool to get so hot under the collar one day because of someone's political views that I did or said something that took me away from that job. I'm smarter than that. But I've had years of practice. I've had years of practice as a black man understanding what assimilation is. I've had years of practice as a black man understanding that I can't fight every fight. I must pick my battles. Not to say that I have not had some internal battles and man-to-man conversations off in the corner somewhere or inside of a police car when I felt like some partner in the past got a little out of hand. That happens. And people that work with me know certain things just don't happen around me like it may happen around some other black officers. But I'm not going to come to work every day playing that card. But my point is, we know as black people, we must oftentimes have two personalities, two lives, live in two dimensions at once. And it's really sad. It's embarrassing. It's ridiculous, actually. But that's the cards that we were dealt. I wish it was another way. But right now there's a group that feels discriminated against. That feels that they don't have a voice. That feels like the world is against them and they've been scapegoated. And it's the so-called other side. And I hate to say other side because it's not really black against white. But it's really a political left against right. That someone that's been independent for a while, maybe I have a better view of what's going on. But extreme political views are undoubtedly affecting police work. 
I don't know all the factors that went into the tragedy at the U.S. Capitol or why there seemed to be a lack of response by the Capitol Police. It's kind of like the difference between preparing for an earthquake and a hurricane. An earthquake comes and that second you have to respond. But a hurricane usually we see it a week out, two weeks out. That storm, or we saw that storm brewing at least a week out. I don't know all the variables. I don't know all the things that happened. But somewhere in there, someone's political views played a part. And lives were lost. So I ask myself, how does that affect me back in my city as a black officer? I would be naive to believe that I didn't work with officers that shared those same views. Just like I worked with officers that shared the views of some folks that were protesting. I shared some of the views, not all, but I will say, just to be fair, the protests this summer were filled with many different factions joining together under one cause. So they didn't all really even have the same reasons they were protesting. And the same thing in DC. Those are many different uh, factions or groups that join together for the same cause. But the end result was the symbol of our democracy, the capital of our nation, was attacked. That can't be ignored. Lives were lost. And there were many law enforcement in the crowd. Not to mention the ones that did not act inside. I know there were some heroic things going on in the Capitol to save lives. I know I had fellow law enforcement officers hurt. We even had one killed. And usually people don't even see all the things we do to make things happen. I understand that. But I also know that these actions are actions from people that believe strongly in protecting not just the nation, but the symbols of the nation. They believe in protecting the flag, the national anthem, and other things to represent our great democracy. So far, without even connecting the dots, I've had two fellow supervisors inform me, don't talk to them about football and, and the playoffs because they are still boycotting the NFL. They are still boycotting the NFL because too many NFL athletes disrespected the flag and the national anthem. I had one tell me that today. This is why I often think I'm in the twilight zone or I'm in some, this is, has to be some kind of like a candid camera type of situation. I can't believe that they don't see how ridiculous that sounds. When that person right before that made some statements to let me know that he was a pro-Trump person. I don't like to really get in political discussions at work because it really doesn't matter to me, but it kind of lets me know how far gone some people are that they can't realize that they can only hope for Colin Kaepernick just to be kneeling. Imagine if everyone at the Capitol a few days ago just kneeled outside instead of storming it. Imagine if the folks this summer that did the damage in so many of our cities just kneeled. But even during these times, after we've lost lives, I have two people in my station that still tell me 
that they are not watching football, so don't talk to them about it because they're still protesting the NFL. This is very troubling to me. I ask myself, are they prepared to deal with a violent protest when the people share their views and look like them? Hey folks, I know this isn't the normal format of this podcast, but these aren't normal times. Uh, Stay with me for the second segment while I talk more about some internal issues on my department in regard to this matter and another racial division. Stay with me for the next segment. Welcome back to For the Record, Black Officer Perspectives. I'm the host, G. Michael, and I'm getting right back into it, talking about the Capitol attack by domestic terrorists, the Capitol attack, or maybe even the coup attempt. That's how deep this is. I am amazed that uh, what happened now, two weeks ago, by the time this podcast comes out, is still compared to the protest, some violent, the ridiculous things that went on this summer, it still doesn't come close to what we saw at the Capitol for many reasons. And I'll let others dissect those reasons. I'll let others really dissect why it even happened from a tactical standpoint. But what I want to uh, talk about is what's going on behind the lines, if you will, what's going on on police departments. Racially, of course, there has always been some unspoken things, some things maybe we only talked about while we were in some trainings. Uh, We had meetings about racial issues, maybe. Obviously, we know we have policies against discrimination And I'm talking about internal matters. Anyone who wears a uniform, whether it's in law enforcement or the military, understands that we are representing something greater than our own personal beliefs. And if we buy into this country and if we buy into the city or state that we represent with our law enforcement uniforms on, we must represent that entity proudly and honorably. But there's always an elephant in the room. This summer, a lot of black officers had some soul searching to do. Not that some of the issues that were brought to the forefront during the protests were not already in our hearts, on our minds. I didn't always agree with the methods. And I certainly didn't agree with coming home every day and hearing that they were all peaceful protests. But I did understand the frustration. I did understand the level that many people were pushed to when they see lives lost. All of that does not compare to attacking the symbol of our nation's democracy, the symbol of the world's democracy, putting lives at risk in uniform, killing a fellow police officer, injuring many more. And sadly, many people in the so-called protest slash riot, insurrection, revolution, coup, whatever it may be called, so many of those people are past and present police officers. 
so many of those people are past and present military members, but even more sympathize. There's nothing wrong with having political views. There's nothing wrong with having strong political views. But what I see from my department, and I'm willing to bet it's like many departments around the country, is a silence, a relative silence. We are barely talking about it formally and informally. Obviously, there are a few rumbles around, but many people don't even mention it. And if they do, they're taking a standpoint of giving an excuse, once again, blaming the media for exaggerating it. I will agree throughout my law enforcement career, I also blame the media for either exaggerating something or adding too much to a story instead of just being a neutral reporter. I know that is done for different reasons. But inside of a station where we pride ourselves on being the closest to the streets, the closest to the people, we know what's really going on. And what is really going on is I work with people that cannot hide their love for Donald Trump, their love for his rhetoric, what he stands for. But I'm not really sure if they are having a soul searching like the black officers had to do this summer. What do I mean by that? What I mean is if you claim to be and the difference is this, whether I want it to be or not. I'm going to be connected with the protest this summer because I'm a black man. We have people that are voluntarily attaching themselves to this ridiculous situation in the past couple of weeks as if it's something honorable. If nothing else, you took part in making a mockery of your nation, showed our weaknesses. What do we stand for if we don't stand for protecting the democratic process? I did not want this podcast to be one more person speaking out of their lane. I'm not a politician. I'm not a political pundit, but I am a representative of the government and I'm someone that wears a uniform and my fellow officers to the left and the right have a growing divide that we have not spoke about yet. When we are forced to have meetings or trainings with any racial tone to it, there are often eyes rolled. There often are many people that may get up and walk out several times to use the restroom or get some coffee. Pay attention just a minimum amount to get through the training. And then we have those that get heavily engaged and come up with new solutions. But oftentimes the culture that already exists in the department overwhelms that new idea. Not to say that these trainings are not helpful, not to say that our department is not in a good situation with the relative relationship with the community. I actually think we engage the community in many ways and we have a lot of good relationships. Whether we do or not, I still believe in our mission. I still believe that this department gives me an opportunity to make an impact in a community that so many people that look like me live in. It allows me to be the tip of the spear, the person that answers the call when they are in need. Do I think the rest of society is helping me out by trying to really solve some of these problems that create the calls for service in the first place? 
No, I don't. I think I'm let down by politicians. I'm let down by clergy. I'm let down by school superintendents. I'm let down by hospital administrators. I'm let down by those stakeholders in the community that could actually do something to stop some of these emergencies that we respond to every day. But all those emergencies at this time pale in comparison to what is happening and what will happen in this coming year, I'm afraid. We can no longer hide the racial divide that is behind the walls of our departments. Are we professionals? Yes. Have we always had differences? Yes. Does it matter to me or did it matter to me when I was a young officer riding in a car who my partner voted for? No, it didn't. And we rarely ever got into those conversations. It didn't matter to me what church they went to, if they went to church at all. But if they align themselves with someone that has encouraged, and I'm not even going to say someone, a movement that encourages the overthrow of our government, that encourages putting lives at stake for a cause that is so filled with hateful rhetoric tied to obvious racial symbols such as the Confederate flag. I think what we see now is unfortunately in this past administration, people were allowed around the country to walk around freely. I don't really want to say this, but I want to illustrate how strongly this is affecting me. This past administration has allowed people to walk around freely with their hoods off. It's impossible to put the hoods back on now. Whether they wore a hood or not, they sympathize with that cause. It will become a more dangerous country. I see more attacks. This is from the mouth of a lot of fellow officers that actually sympathize with that movement. They even predict that there are some people that feel strongly enough about how the election was stolen from them and their country is not theirs anymore to where they would rather destroy the country. This is a belief that won't go away with the changing of the guard in the White House. But it hits home even more when it's so obviously deep within my profession that it's an institutional blind eye turned. But to stay on topic, how does this really affect black officers? Well, I want to talk about some possible double standards that will have to come into play. Why do I say that? I'm also a trained background investigator. Spending some time in my department's employment unit, I was trained to do backgrounds and I also helped in interviews and screening of applicants. And uh, there were applicants that were flagged for having too many connections, air quote, with known gangbangers, especially when their social media was looked at and they may have pictures or their pictures of their friends on there and some of them were known gangbangers or associates. There's some law enforcement folks out there that are asking themselves, what's the problem with that? Well, if you have a known gangbanger that is a classmate of yours, and you say, hey, I graduated high school. I'm not really buddy-buddy with you guys all the time. 
I may not come over to your house. I may not invite you over to my house, but I at least want to keep a little distance, but some connection with you because you are my classmates. And if I go to an inner city school around America, some of my classmates may be known gang bankers. So if the association with those people meant just having them on your social media page and nothing else was enough to at least get you put to the bot to the bottom of the pile or in some departments taken out of the process. I'm also a military veteran, have had had to go through a few security clearances. And some of those security clearances, some of that process is looking at some of your associations. And so it really much must define associations. What does that mean? And how do we screen for possible problems in our ranks? Or is it just that we have people that have connections in the community? My department still has a policy that says you cannot associate or do business with felons. Not, and it does not give any closer explanation of what type of felon or identify any type of specific felon not to associate with. It says no association and no business with felons. Well, there are a lot of different ways to be a felon. And I assume this is in there as a code of ethics thing to keep people from mixing with possible criminals, obviously. Anyone in this profession also knows there are many people that are criminals, but may not have been convicted of a felony. Or there are many people that we should not associate with for many reasons in this community. And as a responsible member, a professional member of a department, I should know who I should associate with and who I shouldn't. But I know that policy, whether it's applied to an employee, that way of thinking when it comes to gangbangers or their association it's ridiculous oftentimes in the world of law enforcement how we lump all these things together that oftentimes urban youth may do and it's a way to screen a certain type of person. I remember another time where there was a person that was going to be disqualified because we found out they were shot at a few times. Shot at. Not, not that they shot at someone a few times, but they and just opening up about their life, talked about a few situations that they were shot at. And just that alone, without further investigation, raised enough eyebrows to where that person was getting ready to be disqualified until I reminded that backgrounder that had that person that if you grow up in certain cities, every party you go to may end in gunfire. That's why you learn not to close the party down. You leave before the party is over or you leave before the club closes. Oftentimes parties end in gunfire. So without knowing exactly the details of that situation, I at least wanted to put the doubt in that backgrounder's mind that that method of just excluding people because they were shot at was dangerous. There needed to be more investigation in the matter. But why do I tie that to this 
U.S. Capitol situation. When the dust clears and more details come out, we will find that many of our co-workers were involved in one way or another. Maybe the folks that were arrested, the investigation goes into their social media posts. And what if some of our co-workers belong to some of the same sites or have chatted with some of these same people that were found to go in? So maybe our co-workers didn't go in the Capitol, but they were involved in talking about it a week beforehand on social media. Or maybe they belong to some of the same groups. Or maybe they appeared in some of the same pictures. Is that a problem? Are those the new gangbangers? Or even a step above that, are those the new terrorists? Are those the new terrorists to watch out for? If that's the case, I'm pretty sure we're in for some rules changing rather than a mass exodus away from this profession by those members that are involved in those groups. This is what I mean when I say that there should be more than backroom small talk about this matter. This is a major situation that has hit the law enforcement community and it must be addressed as such. We're in troubling times. We're in dangerous times. I do see us working as human beings to overcome this, but it will not go away by ignoring it. We're literally talking about life and death. Lives have already been lost. Before I end, I would like to say I'm not a black man that feels like I'm going to waste my time continuously illustrating all of the unfairness and inequality in the world or even in my department. I don't think that alone will change anything. This is a rare occasion when I want to get this political, but I feel like it's a matter of life and death. I am ready to work for real change. I'm ready to work for solutions. I am ready to make action. I am not a person that thinks just illustrating a problem, talking about it, talking about inequality or discrimination, and then waiting on folks to change out of the kindness of their heart. I don't believe that's possible. I really don't even believe marching really creates any real change. But I had to do this podcast to, to let an inside view, at least from one black officer's perspective, that there is a rift growing in the law enforcement community, whether we want to believe it or not. And we must address it as law enforcement or the communities that we serve will suffer. Once again, thanks for joining me on For the Record Black Officer Perspectives. I'm the host, G. Michael. And if you have not done so yet, please subscribe. Please tell your friends and family about this great podcast. It's only done for information. Those that want to work towards peaceful solutions. Have a good day.